Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Cave of the Cross Apologetics. I am Patrick. And I'm Tony. And uh, here in this show, if you haven't joined us before, uh, we grab books off of our bookshelf and blow off the dust and say, you know what, we should probably read these. And so you might uh, you might have dusty books yourselves and you might have bought them at one point in time and said, oh, I'll get to that. And so we want to help you take them off your shelf. But also you may have bought it in the hopes that you'll understand it. You read a few pages and you're like, oh, man, there's some hard words in here. There, there's things like presuppositional or epistemology or uh, defense of, of the faith. And you're not quite sure what that means. And so uh, we're here to help uh, alleviate that, uh, and and usually that's me throwing it over to Tony so that he can explain <laughs> it and I can nod along. But uh, uh, we're starting our new book today. If you've uh, seen our kind of intro to the the start of the book, uh, it's Faith Has Its Reasons, an in- Interrogative Approach to Defending Christianity by Kenneth Boa and Robert Bowman Jr. And uh, all the links for the book are in the description below. You can buy the hard copy. Uh, it's on Logos. It's on uh, Kindle. Uh, it's on a few other places as well. So um, hopefully you've, you've gotten it by now. And so we're going to cover kind of the uh, the introductory chapters, which uh, we were discussing before we started hit the hit the record button, that you could almost break this this first part off and have a full good book on the discussion yeah. of uh, uh, intro to apologetics. Yeah. Um, there's a, a lot of good stuff here. Uh, and so this, we, it's, this is the, the second edition of this book. And so it was, it came out a, a while ago. Uh, I think it's in 2005 is the second edition, mm-hmm. but it is really, really good. He does a thorough job with regard to these various issues. And so we wanted to, you know, kind of share this with you. I mean, this, this kind of a talk with regard to at least the historical aspects of apologetics and the, the approaches uh, really doesn't get old, right? Uh, for the most part, these approaches are still what we have today. Right, right. And uh, the, the the kind of the big part of this book, other than the the kind of the four different factors of apologetics uh, that they they come in, is a, a historical approach, but also explanatory. Um, and so this this book. Uh, does a good job. Uh, we, we, we've read this before together um, and uh, we've we've cited it. We've went over it and we thought this uh, will be kind of a good format for the show as well. Um, I, I, there's a lot to learn from here, especially looking at the history of it and, and realizing, too, that uh, kind of apologetics as a study has only become more of a um, scholarship driven uh, aspect in the last about oh, 150, 200 years or so. Um, but that's not to say that apologetics hasn't been there from the beginning. Uh, and obviously we draw uh, uh, biblical comparisons uh, for citations for why we do apologetics, but throughout the, the scope of church history, um, we, we see um, uh, different developments of apologetics uh, within their own time and place and for different purposes. Uh, but it's only kind of been recently that um, we talk about apologetics from kind of the um, positions that we're, we're used to now. And so, um, what uh, what they do in this book is they kind of uh, first give you kind of an introduction on what apologetics is, but then uh, there's kind of four different uh, uh, breakpoints for different versions of apologetics uh, that uh, that um, are espoused, and so um, you uh, have a, a breakdown both in what they are, kind of uh, the main throughout history who has supported them, and then the explanatory power of both. And then they give both kind of a pros and cons approach to 
um, different aspects. And then uh, at the end, they kind of uh, um, uh, put a stamp on uh, what, what they think is, is the best approach. And so, um, so th that's what uh, we'll kind of be going over and um, how the chapters break down. Uh, we'll probably get a couple episodes out of each. Uh, so uh, if, if you haven't read through all the, the chapter before uh, our next release of the episode, then um, know that You're you have another good. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. We're, 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 we're just at a coffee shop having, having a discussion. Right. There's, there's no reason to, uh, to get your check minuses out. Uh, and so, right. No pressure, no yeah. problems, right? <laughs> no issues, right? no words. All right. So uh, we start with the preface and um, the authors um, um, kind of lay out um, what the book is going to cover uh, and, and, and kind of the layout and format. And they, they ask this uh, of how to relate the Christian worldview to a non-Christian world has been the dilemma of Christian spokespersons since the Apostle Paul addressed the Stoics and Epicurean philosophers in Athens, the, the famous Mars Hill uh, sermon uh, that uh, is is uh, inspiring uh, to to say the least uh, in 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 the Book of Acts, and so that's a, always a good read, and we'll kind of cover that uh, I think in in chapter one here. But in this introductory textbook on Christian apologetics, the study of the defense of the faith, you will be inducted into the two millennia long discussion. You will take a guided tour from four major approaches of apologetics that have emerged in the past couple centuries. And so he, he uh, the folks and uh, our authors here tell us that uh, we'll, we'll identify these four approaches or what they call idealized types of Christian apologetics uh, methodologies. And these idealized types, he says, when we consider the apologetic work of actual Christian apologists, we'll find that there are actually many more than four approaches. However, most of the methods that Christians use in apologetics uh, are closely related to one of the four approaches that they're going to share with us. Right. And kind of like how we have to think of history in school, we almost think in dates. So, uh, you know, when World War One started, it was this day. But if you really look at when World War One really started, it was a little bit before that, maybe even a little bit after it. And so uh, with uh, apologetic approaches, we have to realize that not everyone fits into the uh, cut and dry definitional point of view, even maybe even the, the people that have coined the terms or, or um, kind of are the main spokesman uh, for that position. Uh, so we have to, 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 to give people the benefit of the doubt of not always fitting the definition as strictly as uh, we, we like. Uh, and, and that goes for uh, maybe even some of their citations of the historical uh, people as well. In fact, I, I think there's uh, a couple of people that we, we would switch around in, in different perspectives from what the authors have uh, when, when, uh, when we get there. All right, so what distinguishes these uh, four basic approaches to apologetics then? Well, to put it as a matter as simply as possible, each places a distinctive priority on reason, fact, revelation, and faith, respectively. For reasons that become clear at the end of part one, we call these four apologists Tom, after Thomas Aquinas, a 13th century theologian, Joe, after Joseph Butler, an 18th century Anglican bishop, Cal, after John Calvin, the 16th century French reformer, and uh, Martina after Martin Luther, the 16th century German reformer. 
<laughs> so, look, we have the whole swath of uh, uh, of Europe uh, right, right there. So. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Tom's apologetic approach places a strong emphasis on logic and is called classical apologetics. Joe's approach as uh, emphasizes facts or evidences and is called uh, evidentialism. Cal's approach is emphasize of the authority of God's revelation in scripture. Because of its close identification with Calvinism or Reformed theology, the approach here is called Reformed apologetics. And if you spend any time on our show, uh, we tend to call this presuppositional apologetics. Uh, if you're um, um, uh, uh, Dr. Oliphant, then uh, it's uh, covenantal apologetics. And um, uh, so uh, the, 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 the term there uh, will be um, cited respectively. And finally, Martina's approach emphasized the need for personal faith and referred to here as uh, fetism uh, from the Latin fide or faith and faith. What do we say, children? What does faith mean? Faith means trust. That's right. Yeah. So the question then is, excuse me, where do these four approaches diverge? How are they kind of different? Right? And he says these four approaches diverge in apologetic method or theory regarding the following six questions all of which will be discussed in the book and related to each other and to the four. So the first question is, uh, on what basis do we claim that Christianity is the truth? So this is a, a we might call it an epistemological question. That's to do with truth and knowledge and that sort of thing. So on what basis do we claim that Christianity is the truth? Secondly, what is the relationship between apologetics and theology? So we'll see later on in this chapter, they're going to suggest that uh, how these two things, apologetics and theology, relate to one another is going to also drive a wedge between these various approaches. Thirdly, should apologetics engage in a philosophical defense of the Christian faith? Right? So where is the, where's the uh, role of philosophy with regard to apologetics? So we'll, we'll uh, take a look at that. Fourth, can science be used to defend the Christian faith? So the, the role of science in terms of uh, apologetics and how that works or shouldn't work will be discussed, right, and what each of these uh, positions uh, say about that. Fifthly, can the Christian faith be supported by historical inquiry, right? So that's history. And then finally, uh, how is our knowledge of Christian truth related to our experience? And so they tell us that although each approach answers these questions in different ways, those answers are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Uh, in fact, uh, he's, he, they suggest that they're going to argue that all four approaches have value and should be integrated together as much as possible. And thus, you know, they're going to suggest, at least by the end of the book, to have this kind of integrative approach to depending the Christian faith. Right. <clears throat> right. So uh, what's the plan of this book? Well, the book is divided into six different parts. Part one introduces the subject of apologetics and includes a review of the thoughts leading of leading apologists in church history and an overview on the four basic approaches in apologetics. Part two through five presents parallel treatments of each of the four approaches. Each part is divided into four chapters and the first chapter of each part traces the roots of the apologetic approaches and introduces the thought of the five major apologists. So chapters four, eight, 12, and 16 does that. Mm, yeah. And then the second chapter uh, of each of these parts analyzes the method and its views of the six questions mentioned above that we, we just uh, went through concerning knowledge and theology and philosophy and science history and experience. 
So that's uh, the second portion of each of the chapters. The third portion, the third chapter, examines the methods, answers to the six questions about scripture and other religions, God, evil, miracles, and Jesus. So those will be some practical questions that unbelievers have and uh, that we need to deal with, right? And we'll, we'll see these as we go, like, you know, how do we trust scripture? What about other religions? Don't all religions lead to God? Um, you know, that the problem of evil, miracles, that sort of thing. So the third chapter in each of these sections, we'll, we'll deal with that. And then the fourth chapter of each part summarizes the method and the method that they're talking about in that particular section and uh, illustrates it with a sample dialogue between two fictional non-Christians and one of the four model Christian apologetics. Uh, apologists, rather. So when we get to that section, we probably won't go through the dialogue, but we probably give at least a summary what how that relates to that particular kind of apologetic approach. Uh, they tell us that each of these latter chapters also will discuss the major strengths and weaknesses of the apologetic method that's illustrated in the dialogue. And finally, part six discusses ways to integrate the four basic approaches. So that's, uh, as uh, as you can see here, that is a lot of stuff that they want to get through. And this uh, is the book, right? This is the book. And you notice that it's about a mile thick. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's a lot of material, but some of it is somewhat redundant because they do the same thing over and over again in each of the sections of the book, right? So they introduce the approach, and then they go through these various uh, small chapters in each section with regard to that particular approach. And so by the time we get done with this, uh, we you will be really familiar with these various four, as they see it, major approaches to Christian apologetics. Yeah. Yeah. So th this can be a straightforward read, or it can be kind of a, a, a citation book. Uh, one of the interesting things uh, to do is to, to mark it up and then uh, kind of use it as a reference. But uh, if you go through it again, uh, use a different colored pen and figure out uh, what what uh, what you've learned or uh, new questions to have. And so you can kind of um, have that uh, two distinctive colors in, in, in your book if, uh, if you're OK with marking up your books, which uh, you should be. These these aren't collector items. We, we can, we can do this. They're, they're not they're not 100 years old yet, so we, we don't have to care about it. All right, so uh, we move on to uh, chapter one, which is defining apologetics. So if we're going to talk about it, where do we always want to start? Uh, the, uh, hopefully the show has, uh, has, has uh, asked the, the questions of uh, by what standard and also by what definition is, uh, sh should, should be made on T-shirts for us. So, uh, But here, apologetics may be simply defined as the defense of Christian faith. Well, okay, that's, that's pretty simple, but there's got to be more to it, right? Well, the simplicity of this definition, however, masks the complexity of the problem of defining apologetics. Oh, great, now we have a problem of evil. Now we have a, a problem of defining apologetics. So where do we stop? All right. Well, it turns out that the, the, that the diversity approaches has been taken uh, to defining the meaning, scope, and purposes, uh, or the, the, the purpose, actually, of apologetics. And so we go from apologia to apologetics. And here, the definition, the word apologetics, is derived from the Greek word apologia which uh, was originally used as a, 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 a speech or a defense of or an answer given in a reply. 
And in ancient Athens, it's referred to as defense made in courtroom as part of the normal judicious, uh, judicial procedure. This, this is you're on trial and you have to give a defense for uh, the, the, the reason why you did something or the reason why you shouldn't be found guilty of, of this crime. And so um, I, I don't know if they, they had burden of proof uh, um, uh, issues uh, that our court does, uh, but, uh, but you, have, you, you stand before the court of Caesar and uh, you, you must give a, 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 an apologetic for, uh, for why you did or didn't do the thing that you are accused of. And so what they're gonna do here in this defining section just go through a bunch of terms here uh, so that we're all on the same page as we talk about these particular issues. They're going to define them in terms of how they want us to understand these various terms and also pull out uh, the, under uh, the meaning of these terms from history as well as from their usage uh, even today. Right. So apologetics is the first one. Um, this word, they tell us, uh, appears 17 times in noun or verb form in the New Testament, and both the noun form, apologia, and the verb form, polynomai, uh, has, um, uh, can be translated defense or vindication in every case that it's used, all 17 cases in the New Testament. So the New Testament, however, does not use the words apologia and apologinomai, um, in the technical sense of the modern word apologetics, right? It was apparently not until they tell us 1794 that apologetics was used to designate a specific theological discipline. And there has been a debate about the place of this discipline in Christian thought almost from the very beginning when this uh, notion was introduced. This debate continues throughout the 20th century and, and today. And so in this chapter, what we'll see here is they will refer to definitions of the apologetics word group and consider just how best to conceive of the discipline of apologetics. So this chapter gives these various definitions, and in giving these definitions, it helps us understand exactly uh, what the discipline of apologetics is all about. Right, which is definitely important because uh, there might be uh, distinctions then between what we mean versus what scripture means. And we definitely want to uh, purse our, our, our uh, conflation very, very uh, distinctly uh, when, when we do that. Okay, uh, apologetics in related terms is the section that we move to next. And it's been customary to use the term apology to refer to a specific effort or work in defense of the faith. An apology might be a written down document, a speech, or even a film. Any medium of communication might conceivably be used. An apologist is someone who presents an apology or makes a practice of defending the faith. And so, uh, you know, I always think of, you know, apologize to your sister, apologize to your brother when you do this. It's like, well, give a reason for why you, you, you hit them. Well, no, that's not what that's not what we're doing. So, so we, we want to make sure that we're not uh, we're not conflating that idea of of kind of the modern day use of what we mean by apology. But here it's 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 kind of the the document, the, the written down uh, communication that we give, and then the apologist is the person that that does the giving of it, even even the presentation of of whatever it is in written form or in uh, documentary purposes. All right. So, apology has to do with defense of the faith. The apologist is the person who is giving the defense, the apology, right? Uh, the terms apologetic and apologetics 
are closely related, they tell us, and can be used synonymously. Uh, here, for clarity's sake, though, they're going to suggest that one way of useful distinguishing these terms that corresponds to the way that they're often actually used. And so here's how they want us to kind of distinguish these terms of apologetic and apologetics. Okay? Uh, so the an apologetic, using the word as a noun, will here be defined as a particular approach to the defense of the faith. Thus, you know, we might hear someone talk about Francis Schaeffer's apologetic. So that's his approach to defending. Right, right. So that, that's the, the noun version. Apologetics, on the other hand, has been used in at least three ways. Perhaps most commonly, it refers to the discipline concerned with the defense of the faith. And second, it can refer to the general grouping or approaches or systems developed by defending the faith as we speak about evidentialist apologetics or reformed apologetics. So there's the, the distinction between them. And third, it's sometimes used to refer to the practice of defending the faith as the activity of presenting an apology or apologies in defense of the faith. And so these three usages are easily distinguished by the context. Guess what? Context even matters uh, uh, when we talk about apologetics outside <laughs> of scripture there. That's so, right. So apologetics is, or context is king. Yes. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> and so all three of them will be uh, employed in, in, in this book. Right. All right. So now we got the distinction here. Apology is giving a defense. The apologist is a person that gives the defense. Apologetics then is a particular approach to the defense. And apologetics with an S uh, is uh, has been used in the three ways that, that you've outlined. And they say that, that you will be able to distinguish those three ways by Finally, meta-apologetics, they tell us, refers to the study of the nature and method of apologetics. Uh, this term has come into usage only recently, and uh, they suggest is still rarely used, right? So it focuses on the principal fundamental questions that must be answered properly if the practice of apologetics is to be uh, securely grounded and true. And so a meta-apologetic may then be defined as a particular theory meta-apologetics, such as Cornelius Van Til's reform meta-apologetics, or perhaps Norm Geisler's neo-Thomistic meta-apologetics. So that's the idea here. Right. All right, well, now we got to answer the question of what is the function of apologetics? Well, historically, apologetics has been understood to involve at least three functions or goals. For example, John Frame, who uh, our last book, if you haven't joined us for that one, uh, is one that we just finished. Well, he's outlined three aspects of apologetics, which he calls proof, defense, and offense. And guess what? We covered that in the last book. That's right. <laughs> proof involves presenting a rational basis for faith. Defense involves answering the objections of unbelief, and offense means attacking the foolishness, as cited throughout uh, Old Testament and New Testament, of unbelieving thought. And so um, if, if you have kind of a, a, a understanding of what uh, apologetics is, uh, it, it probably comes only to kind of maybe one scope of that, uh, but uh, here of frame and, and what the, uh, Bo and the and, and Bowman do is they say uh, this um, type of proof uh, encompasses these different, these three different uh, uh, aspects. So presenting the faith, 
answering objections, and then attacking uh, unbelieving thought. Right. So proof, defense, and offense. Right? Uh, and then they say uh, the first three parts of uh, Robert Raymond's fourfold analysis of the task of Christian apologetics follows the same pattern, right, of uh, proof, defense, and offense. But Raymond uh, adds a fourth point. Apologetics seeks to persuade people of the truth of the Christian position. So they uh, tell us that treating persuasion as a separate function is helpful since it involves elements that go beyond offering an intellectual response. The focus of the first three are basically an intellectual response, the idea of proof and defense and offense. Persuasion is a little bit different. Persuasion must um, also consider the life experience of the unbeliever, so that adds to why they, uh, the reason why they want to add this particular fourth uh, approach. And it also considers a proper tone to take with the person in other matters beyond simply imparting information. So apologetics, they're suggesting here, is more than just imparting information, right? More than just attempting to prove with defense and offense. It's also an attempt to persuade. So they want to add that uh, to this kind of threefold uh, uh, parts or functions of apologetics. And so they've come up with four functions. And uh, I think we kind of uh, discussed about this in a roundabout way when we went over Greg Kokel's tactics book, which you can find as well in our in our list of uh, books that we did uh, for the kind of the art of persuasion. All right, so we must uh, we may distinguish then four functions, goals, modes, or aspects of apologetics. The first may be called vindication. Uh, or uh, proof and involves uh, marshalling philosophical arguments as well as scientific and historical evidences for the Christian faith. So uh, uh, you have um, kind of understanding of uh, God-directed uh, science and then um, kind of the the um, historical aspects uh, that are found in scripture and saying uh, that uh, they coincide with, with uh, kind of known facts uh, that we can uh, point to as well. And so those uh, two are incorporated into also the philosophical or logical arguments as well. Well, the goal of projects here is to develop a positive case for Christianity as a belief system that should be accepted. So that's vindication or proof. That's a function of apologetics. Mm-hmm. The attempt to vindicate or prove uh, the, uh, that Christianity is true. The second function is defense. And so this function is closest to the New Testament and early Christian use of the word apologia, defending Christianity against the plethora of attacks made against it in every generation by critics of varying belief systems. So this function involves clarifying the Christian position in light of misunderstandings and misrepresentations and answering objections, criticisms, or questions from non-Christians. So we are defending here. Uh, the Christian faith. This isn't proving it with regard to, you know, vindicating it. Here, this particular function is a defense, right? So it's been attacked and we have to defend it by answering these various objections. To plug another book that we did, <clears throat> What About Evil? And so yeah. we talked about the question, What About Evil? in Scott Christian's book, What About Evil? <clears throat> so you can find that one as well. And then finally, the third function is, well, the, the third one here is that uh, in the refutation of opposing beliefs or what Frame calls the offense. He 
take the ball. You've, you've got it turned over to you. And now it's your turn to run the defenses of the different worldviews that, uh, that you're, you're going up against. It could be atheism. It could be Hinduism. It could be Islam. It could be all sorts of, uh, uh different spiritual aspects. Um, uh, there you're, you're asking the other side to, uh, pro- provide the reasons for they have uh, in believing the worldview that they uh, function in. Well, uh, this function, the offensive function, focuses on answering not specific objections of Christianity, but the arguments non-Christians give in support of their own belief. Most apologists agree that refutation cannot stand alone since proving a non-Christian religion or philosophy to be false does not prove that Christianity is true. We know this because uh, let's say that you can convince uh, a, a Muslim that Islam is, is, is not true. Well, does that then coincide that uh, Christianity is true? Well, no, it could be that uh, uh, Hinduism is true then. And so they could just move on to, to that belief system. <laughs> and so it's not just one, but it is an important aspect that, that we have in our, in our tool chest there. Well, nevertheless, it is a, an essential function of apologetics. So, um, Vindication, then, uh, that's the uh, kind of proof, right? Christianity is true because of this, right? Uh, defense, right? Okay, now you object to Christianity, so we meet those various objections. Uh, and then offense, your particular position has these problems, and we want to point those out to you. Well, that's the third function. And then finally, the fourth function, and they'll go over these in the end up. In just a second here, a little differently. But this fourth function is persuasion, as we mentioned earlier. And uh, by this, we do not mean, you know, merely convincing people that Christianity is true, but persuading them to apply its truth to their lives. So this function focuses on bringing non Christians to the point of commitment. The apologist's intent here is not merely to win intellectual argument, but to persuade people to commit their lives and eternal futures into the uh, the trust of the Son of God who died. For. And so they suggested we might also speak of this function as evangelism or witness. So this is the actual probably giving out and attempting to persuade people that the gospel itself is true and they should uh, uh, commit to, to, to Jesus Christ. Right. And again, uh, Greg Kokel's Tactics is uh, probably the book that uh, we kind of uh, um, um, hit on this one. And actually, uh, the, the 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 one before this, the um, the um, offense, uh, I, I'd probably recommend uh, the one that we went over, which was Mick Stokes' How to Be an Atheist. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think he did a, a really good job there of presenting uh, different aspects of what uh, uh, the atheist worldview has presented up and showing Actually, you guys could be a little bit more consistent in your, in your atheism, and so uh, we went over <laughs> that book as well. So, uh, the, the, we, we've we've covered the, the gamut on all four of them. Now we're bringing yeah, them all together yeah. in this book. Look at that. Well, so. J- Jason Lyle's book also that we've covered, uh, where he attempts to defend various uh, uh, contradictions, especially uh, in the scripture. keeping faith in the age of reason. Right there, you go. Yeah. yeah. So that one we've covered as well. Right. So yeah, we've we've gone through <laughs> all of these various four aspects or functions of the apologetic right. uh, approaches. Yeah. And, and of course, all these are going to be linked b- below in the description, or you can just go to cavethecross.com, go to in the middle of the page, click on any of the books that we have. They're all right there in the middle. They're, they're all set up to take you to the full playlist of everything that we have on, on the website as well. 
These four aspects or functions of apologetics have differing or complementary goals or intentions with respect to reason. Apologetics' proof shows that Christianity is reasonable. Its purpose is to give non-Christians good reasons to embrace the Christian faith. So keep piling up those reasons, and uh, uh, at some point in time, there'll be one last reason, and they'll break the person, and they'll become a believer in Christianity. That's right. Apologetics the reason is that broke the camel's back. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Apologetics' defense shows that Christianity is not unreasonable. Its purpose is to show that the non-Christian will not be acting irrationally by trusting in Christ or by accepting the Bible as God's word. So you're unloading the camel from trying to have its back broken. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where, where else we're going to go with this uh, this motif. So, so let's, let's see. Well, third, Apologetics' refutation shows that non-Christian thought is unreasonable. The purpose of refuting non-Christian belief system is it is to confront non-Christians with the irrationality of their positions. So my camel is better than your camel. So there we go. <laughs> and fourth, apologetics says persuasion takes into consideration the fact that Christianity is not known by reason alone. The apologist seeks to persuade non-Christians uh, to trust Christ, not merely to accept truth claims about Christ. And so, so here we are camel. the salesperson of the camel. That's right. <laughs> we want you to leave your camel and get on our camel. There we go. Look, we yeah. did it. We, 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 we completed the, the, the quad, the quad, yes. quad camel. All right. So that is chapter one. It has to do with defining uh, apologetics. And so they've kind of now given us a, I would think, a pretty well-rounded um, idea of where they're going, what they're talking about, what apologetics is all about. They give the definitions of the various words, and then give these various four aspects or functions of apologetics. So that's kind of a, a defining what apologetics is all about. And I think that that was a helpful chapter. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. See you next time.